how would I define trauma? Anything keeping us from being in the experience of our true self, that could be just about anything. Mm, that's so profound. Anything that keeps us from being ourselves, anything that keeps us from being loving, kind, brave, anything that keeps us in these patterns of fear, loneliness, and darkness. What do you think are some common trauma responses that couples face? Oh, I'm in a state where anything that is not of our true self is a is a trauma response. You know, it's like it's like a reaction. It's not a response, actually. You know, we react out of trauma. We don't take the time to respond. It's like automatic. It just takes place and we don't even know we're doing it. It's not conscious. It's hard to be self-aware of that. I've really witnessed in myself in couples that I work with those responses where people turn into their adaptive child, whatever I'm arguing is reminding me of a feeling that I felt before. It's reminded me of a situation that I've encountered before and I don't know how to deal with it. That's where these behaviors of I'm shutting down come in. That's where these behaviors of I'm getting angry come in. These behaviors of I have to run away because I'm processing this and dealing with this the way that I felt before, whether I was a child or you know, maybe I was a teenager or I felt this in past relationships. I'm dealing with this the same way that I dealt with it in those other relationships. And I haven't had the self-awareness to process that and approach this in a way that's actually helpful for me, that's actually helpful for my partner. And I've seen that in my own relationships and with people that I work with. If you're working on it together, both partners are accountable and self-aware to what is going on. Both take ownership of their progress and their healing so that you can come together, you can build that relationship and have that connection that's actually safe, fulfilling and worthwhile. It has to feel like this is worthwhile to me. Those moments where we're reverting back to our trauma responses, those responses do not drive connection. Those responses don't foster emotional safety. Instead, it's, I need to be protected, I need to be protected. And it doesn't care about the well-being of the relationship at all. It just cares about the person feeling safe. And it doesn't matter how the other person feels. And obviously, that's not going to work. It's some part of us, whether it's from childhood or afterwards, exactly. And it becomes ingrained. It becomes a habit. We don't even know we're doing it until we take the time to actually become aware of how we're reacting or responding or have somebody in our life that can give us that feedback. We just keep that loop going. Very destructive, self-destructive and destructive on others. It's destructive. It's explosive. It's sabotage. It's hopeless. It's ugly. It's so many unpleasant things. What are some ways that you've seen trauma impact relationships where they haven't been processed or dealt with if you don't acknowledge these trauma responses or these unhealthy responses in relationships? It destroys them. <laughs> From the moment-to-moment -moment daily interactions to long-term, it's difficult enough in today's environment to stay centered and to stay calm when we're dealing with another person, a close person to us, and we don't have the common goal of being there for each other and supporting each other and helping each other realize the traumas that we may be acting out of not an easy path. It's simply not possible to grow together, heal from trauma, or set new goals without the support and accountability of our partner. 
We can't do it without them. It's not just a one-sided thing. A relationship needs the willingness and desire and commitment from both people. What challenges do we need to be aware of that can distract us from being centered or united with her partner? <laughs> oh, boy. How far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> How about we go? Let's go. Three yeah, feet, where, where do you want to go with this <laughs> rabbit hole? Literally, I mean, from toxic air that we breathe, from toxic substances in the food, from toxic substances in the water, from the media we're bombarded with that polarizes us, to stay centered in that and to be in a relationship within that is very difficult. So not only do we have what we're dealing with subconsciously and consciously, our bodies are trying to process things that they've never had to process before, our physical bodies, our mental bodies. So to stay balanced within all of that, it's a superhuman feat, honestly. It, it's literally superhuman these days. There's pressure from careers, children, parents, culture, society, all of which make a lot of demands on our time, all of which can introduce or support the dissolution of marriages and families. Before, as a society, marriage used to be so integral, and responsibility and accountability and integrity were values that were deeply held. We no longer really do that. Instead, we applaud ego and selfishness because we call it self-care. All of that introduces this very unhealthy way of thinking that has no place in a healthy, happy, and fulfilling marriage or in families. The wonderful news is that there are a lot of resources that support personal growth and celebrate the commitment of marriages. We just need to know where to look. What are some ways couples can help each other co-regulate and recenter in these moments of stress and be really connected with each other? What reassurances can they have? What helps foster that connection and that emotional safety? One, being committed to each other to co-regulate and not look at the other person as attacking them. Hmm. And I would say that the main key is meditating together daily, setting aside time each day to literally be there with one another. And if you can do it at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, so that you actually go out into the world fortified and supported by your relationship and come home and spend time to, you know, give each other space and, and process together. How was your day? And just be there for the other person, just to listen and to honor them. Listen with more than your ears. If you have that framework at the beginning of the day and the end of the day, you've got a great start. Looking into what each other's eyes, seeing the God, seeing the light in each other and operating from that space, letting the other person know that there's somebody really in life that wants to support them. That's so beautiful. There is something that just feels amazing in having that feeling, knowing that there is someone that is your partner, that is your person that's prepared to go to war for you and with you yes. and to be in the thick of it, even when things suck, yes. <laughs> and to be committed to <laughs> evolving and improving together, no matter what gets thrown your way. And sometimes it's we self-sabotage. Sometimes it's us that are in the way. So what are some right. things that couples can do to create an environment that promotes that kind of healing, that kind of peace and love in that relationship? Starting the day meditating together, ending the day meditating together, spending time just voicing appreciations for each other, 
so many people in life get caught up in the negatives and what went wrong mm. rather than what went right. <laughs> so it's, it's almost like, okay, for every negative you're going to share, share a positive with me. And to really appreciate the positive, let's get really simple. You know, we're breathing, we're living. <laughs> Go out in nature together. Appreciate just being with, without all of the uh, constructs of what we have to do to make a living or whatever's going on. A lot of times we get to a point where we don't feel seen in our relationships. We don't feel valued. We don't feel appreciated. We don't feel wanted. We don't feel admired. And that causes so much resentment and harm to the point that sometimes it depletes everything. It defeats everything. It's like this balloon that's all perky and inflated and all of a sudden just, it's just gone. And there's no longer desire, no more desire to try, no more desire to want to show up, no sexual desire either, no desire for emotional connection either. All of it is just kind of depleted. So having that culture of appreciation, gratitude, and connection in the relationship, that's what you're talking about, building, fostering that so our partners can feel seen and loved and appreciated by us. Yeah, it's, you know, when you don't... it. It's really easy to feel like you've been taken for granted. Mm -hmm. So by really expressing appreciation, and I know and it's, when I first started that with somebody, it sounded really dumb to me. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, what am I doing having to sit here and come up with things that I appreciated? But as I got into it, it's like, no, it really made me stop and think about all the things that I really do appreciate in another person and to express that to them so that they really know it. And then on the other side of that, the person receiving has to be in a place to receive it because most of us never received appreciation as children. Mm -hmm. Somebody appreciates us, so we just, you know, we kiss it off. You know, we really don't take it in deep that there's somebody there that's really trying to touch our heart. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we don't hear it. So it's being willing to express it outward and also learning how to be able to take it in and really appreciating ourselves enough to let somebody else appreciate us. Sometimes that's what's hard. Sometimes if people are dealing with the belief, hey, I'm not worthy of love or I'm exactly. not good enough, it's kind of hard to validate or even understand when someone else is telling you, I love you, I appreciate you, you're beautiful, when you don't feel that way about yourself. Yeah. So I mean, what you... would some approaches be when someone who's trying to push you away or when someone's kind of withdrawn or isn't? kind of willing to work with you? How can you be supportive and how can you maybe entice them a little bit to work with you? Uh, I wish I knew the answer to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I personally seem to find people in my life that, you know, throw up the roadblocks and they just don't want to even go there. Mm. It's really a willingness on both people's part to go there. I'll take that back to the trauma. Okay. When we've been traumatized as a child or else in some other way, and it becomes our way of life, we don't know anything different. Mm. So anybody that's trying to change that, most people look at it as an attack. Mm. You know, they don't look at it as, oh, here's somebody who's trying to help me. Or what I've heard a lot from people is, God, nobody else has ever said that in my life. You're the only person that's ever told me. Well, maybe I'm the only person who's loved you enough to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and 
doesn't really care how you respond, whether you yell at me or whatever. I'm willing to literally tell you that and not just placate you with words or watch what you do and think you're crazy, but not tell you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of courage in that. There's a lot of courage in, in being able to say the truth because sometimes that is hard to say, scary to say and hard to hear. Yeah, I mean, I, I watch people literally say, oh, well, nobody's ever told me that. I said, well, you know, a lot of people just don't want to be real. So how can we bring self-awareness into a relationship? And I have a feeling you're going to say meditate. <laughs> Besides meditation. I, I am. I'm not, <laughs> some, form of, some form of meditation. You know, there, there's many forms of meditation. Even just looking into one another's eyes. There's exercise movements you can do facing one another and mirroring one another, just being together, really being together. But yes, there is, there is magic in meditation because you're bringing in a third party. <laughs> and I don't care what you call that third party, whether you want to call it God, whether you have a specific master or spiritual guide, whether it's Christ or Buddha or whoever it is for your specific religion, your specific spiritual path literally just honoring that there is a higher power involved and we're all here just trying to get in touch with that higher power we all have that essence within us so if we come from the standpoint of honoring that essence within each other and trying to help each other get back to that essence you know a lot of people when they're upset and they just they just want to vent and stuff you know they don't want to hear bring your hands to your heart and take a few deep breaths they just want to vent but man, if, if you just take a moment, bring your hands to your heart and take a few deep breaths and say, now try to speak to me from your heart. Mm. Okay. Say what you want to say from your heart. Don't let it out of your head. <laughs> let it speak from your heart. And that changes things immensely. So just practicing speaking from the heart to each other. And if nothing's coming from the heart, then fine. Silence is wonderful, too. <laughs> Just sit in that love space of the heart, and eventually things will come out from the heart. So for people the heart, who are the heart, the heart, the heart's not... The heart's not trying to defend itself. It really just wants love. It just wants that mm. innocence of the child to come forth. So play, you know, innocence, play, play together. That's so beautiful. So if you're not prepared for this vulnerability, then just play together. Just have fun. Exactly. Go to go down to a park somewhere and get on some swings and slides and <laughs> go to the beach and throw sand at each other or something, you know, playfully. <laughs> just just play. What did you like to do as a child? What made your heart sing as a child? Mm. There's a lot of work being done with play therapy right now. It's it's incredibly powerful to get you to be reconnected and peaceful in its center and just feeling like it's okay. And thinking about when we were children, things were so much simpler. Oh, there's food. That's awesome. I always expect there to be food. Oh, I get to go to bed. Yes. Well, I used to fight to go to bed. I, now I love going to bed. <laughs> I never wanted to go to bed as a child either. But <laughs> There's this beautiful trust that comes from being a child. And I I would love to reconnect back to that. There is lots of work that I'm doing now to reconnect back to that. What do you think is one thing that couples can do to really strengthen their trust with each other? Long pause. <laughs> <laughs>
strengthening trust with one another is literally being with each other every day. And each, each, each moment is building trust. Each response, each smile back, each smile with the eyes, each look of appreciation, everything builds trust. And the other person needs to know that, you know, that you're committed, that, yeah, if they blow up, they trust you enough that you they can blow up in front of you. They can trust you enough to know that you're going to blow up, but you're not going to hold on to it. <laughs> you're not going to tuck it away. Because little kids, we a lot of our survival mechanisms is tucking things away. We just tuck it away. And then we make up a story to make it better because we can't handle the reality of what it was. Things get swept under the carpet and they stay there. If we sweep them under enough, they stay there for decades or whatever. And then they'll pop out. You know, those are the reactions that pop out. Those are the volcanic eruptions that we have, things that have been swept under the carpet, stuffed down inside of us, rather than processing it immediately. And as little kids, we couldn't. Most of us didn't have parents that allowed us to process. As we get older, if we're in a relationship with somebody, it's a real gift to have somebody that will help us process and help us see those things that we've buried down inside of us and not look at it as an attack. Look at it as somebody that's really trying to help. But again, that takes being willing to change and being willing to say, okay, I'm willing to let go of that. I'm willing to see that there's another way to live. I think that's one of the hard things is in order to change, we have to be willing to say to ourselves, yeah, I no longer need this. It wasn't a mistake. I've been this way for a while to survive, but I don't need this as survive. I'd rather thrive. How can we get to that place of self-awareness? Because it's so true as children and even as adults, when we're not ready to deal with something, we just pretend it didn't happen and we just justify it in our heads. We're like, okay, we're going to put this away, tuck this away and deal with that later. Or maybe never. <laughs> what can we do to be more self-aware, to have that courage, to have that self-awareness for ourselves and in our relationships? It's a matter of becoming aware in each moment. And that's one thing that meditation, it's one thing that yoga, it's one thing that Tai Chi or Qigong teaches you to be aware in each moment, to be aware of your movements, to be aware of your thoughts. It's literally being aware. So for the mind, you don't let one thought lead to another thought. You literally have to come to a point where you say, okay, I have a mind. But that's a part of me, just like my arms are a part of me, just like my eyes are a part of me. My mind is an invisible part of me. I can control my mind. I do not want my mind to control me. I woke up one morning, you know, that space before you wake up, you know, you're kind of in a day sometimes and you're in a field where you're not quite awake and you're not asleep anymore. Well, I was in that space and I started watching my mind prepare my day for me. I was literally watching my mind plan what the day was going to be. And that was a wake-up call for me. It's like, what is this? I'm not even awake yet. I don't even know what I want to do. And my mind's planning my day. This is not right. <laughs> <laughs> and so from that moment on, I literally started challenging my mind. I mean, I went through a period where for weeks, every time my mind had a thought, I would just say, how do you know? How do you know? What is your basis for that? So I challenged the thoughts that I was having. You can do that. You can just, you can have a mantra. You can, whenever your mind starts thinking, just turn it to saying peace over and over or love, or I love myself, or I love God, 
or anything that gets the mind relaxed and thinking of its pure nature rather than its endless loop of thoughts. It's becoming aware of your thoughts and it's also becoming aware of your movements. Can't tell you how many people I see walking around that their posture is carrying the weight of all of their subconscious programming. So their body is literally stooped over or hunched over or just not standing straight, just not whatever, because the thought processes that have gone in and just changed their body structure. There is so much that affects us now. And even chiropractors now are not just focusing on the physical, they're focusing on emotional questions in their intake assessment. Is there anything emotionally that you haven't dealt with that could be causing this, that could be manifesting itself physically? It's really cool how far we've advanced in that. You have such an amazing mission helping people. What's something that you help people with? I can help anybody with anything that's going on if they're willing to. It doesn't take much. It just takes a person's willingness. Magic will happen. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. Timothy, you've given us so many great resources and so many great strategies today. If you could invite people to do just one thing today, one small thing to make their lives a little bit better, what would it be? Become aware in each moment. Take your time. Breathe. Be present. Know you're safe. Know you're loved. Act from a space of love. Act from a space that you are God. You are a divine being. You are a goddess. Treat yourself and everybody else like that. Magic will happen. (laughs) That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on today, Timothy. Oh, thank you. I'm very lit up. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I love it. I love our conversations.